Radio. I'm Dellen Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing lots of changes happening in and around the Strip. Joining us now is reporter Ed Comenda. Welcome, Ed. Thank you for having me. Ed is our gaming and consumer reporter, and he's out on the Strip constantly looking for new, exciting things, and there's lots to report uh, this week. Let's start with the biggest news uh, nationally and locally of the week, uh, Paula Dean, Lover, hater, um, she's come under lots of fire and publicity in recent weeks um, over racist statements that she made. And locally, in um, just a couple days ago, Caesars Entertainment announced that they would be dropping her restaurants um, from their casinos. They're one of many companies severing ties with her. Tell us a little bit about what that means for our local properties. Well, Caesars Entertainment decided to cut ties with Paula Dean uh, after she made an appearance on the Today Show, uh, during which she apologized for making these racist statements in the past. Um, so Caesars has Paula Deen restaurants at four of its properties, one in southern Indiana, uh, Mississippi, Joliet, Illinois, and North Carolina. So once those contracts are expired, Paula Deen will be out of there, and Caesars plans to actually rebrand those restaurants into something else because the impact of her statements, uh, officials say, uh, were just too tremendous. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. Caesars was staying out of the fray for a little bit. They said they'd monitored the situation after right. the Food Network dropped her, but I guess they've monitored it and decided it's a bad business decision to keep her on board. Right. I guess the when they said they were uh, going to monitor the situation, I mean, if you think about it, the Food Network cutting ties with Paula Dean is probably the worst it could get. But uh, Caesars followed suit, then Walmart decided to pull all of her cookware and cooking items out of their, their stores, and Target did the same thing. It's just been a, a terrible snowball effect, and it's it happened so quickly. So Absolutely, and, and Paula herself has been apologetic, but then she seems to just be making the situation worse for herself with every attempt at an apology she tries. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's she's admitted to using uh, racial racial slurs in the past, and, and these, these slurs were actually outed um, in a, a legal deposition. Uh, she was fighting a lawsuit from former employees who said that it was uh, a hostile environment uh, at her restaurants. Uh, and Paula Dean's reaction was, well, they're just trying to extort me. It's been kind of a, a back-and-forth battle. And, yeah, it's just, if you think about it, I mean, places like Caesars, they welcome people from all over the world. And it, it's, it kind of makes sense to me anyway to want to kind of put distance between somebody who's admitted to, uh, you know, racism. <laughs> it's a pretty big uh, pretty big deal. Well, so. absolutely, and exactly as you said, the casino is supposed to be where everybody from every size, shape, color, country can come and just have fun and enjoy themselves. Well, and well yeah, and every resort these days has a office dedicated to diversity and trying to make it uh, as open and welcoming to everybody. Uh, and so, yeah, it kind of makes sense. 
Absolutely. And it's interesting. There's no Paula Deen restaurants here in Las Vegas. Is that just because of our cuisine and, you know, um, regional well, environment? Well, I think it might be that, but we also have Wolfgang Puck, who, um, as far as quality goes, I'm not saying that uh, Paula Deen is more of kind of like a regional uh, neighborhood type restaurant down uh, home southern exactly and uh las vegas has so many other options um that's not to say that if this didn't happen that we would see one eventually because uh paula dean was was on the rise uh, still so uh there were just other options at the time so and do you think those restaurants i don't know if you have any idea um will they stay southern cooking and just get a new name or you think they'll be completely I think they will be completely rebranded because uh, it's it's kind of like a a purging (laughs) it seems Uh, and rebranding to me means just a complete um, change so well, I will admit I have a Polydeem crock pot. I'm going to have to go throw it away. I do, too. It was a gift from my grandmother. So. <laughs> well, so sorry, world. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on um, past Paula to some better news. Uh, Bally's, um, one of the older casinos on the Strip, is getting a renovation. Yeah, Bally's South Tower will be renamed the Jubilee Tower which is named after Don Arden's Jubilee Burlesque Show, which is one of the most popular and oldest burlesque shows on the Strip. Uh, And I think the renovations include something like 756 rooms. Uh, They're redoing the carpets. They're doing uh, geometrically designed wallpaper-type fixtures, and it's just going to be completely new. Uh, and uh, they're just trying to dump money into it and freshen it up a little bit. I mean, this is something we've been seeing uh, the last couple of years. I mean, all these renovations happening rather than building completely new things because that's kind of expensive. So, Well, exactly, and a lot of these older hotels, even some of the newer hotels, you know, Bellagio is not that old, and they did a renovation, and right. so I would imagine to keep up these significantly older ones like Bally's need to right. step up their game. Oh, absolutely. And you know, if you look at if you walk through a place like Caesar's Palace, uh, you know, that looks new. That's because and, and it's not new. It's it's very old, but the money they've dumped into it, uh, and that's kind of carried over into Bally's because, you know, people in that who come to Vegas are looking for quality, you know. So that, that's that's sort of the trend we're seeing. Absolutely. Did they say how much they're planning to spend? They sometimes uh, do and sometimes don't. They did not. That was that was not disclosed. Um, but but it is pretty extensive. I mean, it's an entire tower, and it's not just uh, single beds. It's uh, luxury suites and things of that nature as well. So. And do you think the prices will go up as a result? Well, actually, uh, there's sort of a promotion going on right now. You could actually hop onto Bally's website and book a room as low as $99 a night. Uh, but, of course... The bigger the room, the bigger the bill. So it's going to run the gamut, I guess. And But right now, you could probably jump on there and get a pretty cheap rate. Excellent. Um, yeah. Speaking of rebrandings, um, another off-strip sort of older hotel is now going to become the Dynasty. Yeah, this is very interesting. Um, there was a uh, proposal that went to the Clark County uh, Board of Commissioners uh, recently uh, for the uh, Fortune Hotel and Suites to actually be transformed into the Dynasty, which is a proposed 26-story uh, resort with gaming. What's interesting about that is there has never been gaming uh, 
at the Fortune Hotel and Suites before. This, uh, the, the board actually approved this, and with that approval, the, uh, the building was entered into what's, the, uh, what's known as the Gaming Enterprise District, which is the, <laughs> you have to be in that district to be approved by the state to have gaming. So now the next step would be to get a gaming license with which they plan to open a 100,000 square foot casino. Uh, which is, uh, if you think of other properties on the Strip, it's about the same size as the Orleans, a uh, place like that. Wow. So, yeah, the dynasty, though, it's no reflection on the theme. It's actually a reflection on the ownership. Uh, the company behind the project, which is uh, Las Vegas Lucky Investments, LLC, uh, is owned by a guy named um, uh, Suin, and he uh, comes from a long line of Chinese investors, so uh, his representative told me that it would be just a reflection on the Chinese uh, family behind the project. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. A lot of changes happening in that area. So Yeah, now, do we think this is actually going to happen? I mean, we hear a lot of proposals for new resorts and massive renovations. Um, what's the likelihood that this will be reality? Well, I asked for a comment directly from uh, Mr. Suen, and he declined, saying it was a little bit too early to speak. Uh, that was his reason. And uh, But if you look at paperwork and Clare County records, uh, you would see that they actually bought this building in 2012 for something like $11 million. So they've already dumped a lot of money into it. And uh, I doubt they wanted to keep it the Fortune Hotel and Suites. Um, there is... Um, a lot of talk about how they're going to come back with another proposal for actually a second tower because the original proposal they wanted was uh, was something like 30 stories tall, which the FAA did not approve because of its proximity to the airport. Um, so it's hard to tell. I, I, I'm kind of wary uh, of saying that it's going to happen because, like you said, we've seen so many projects uh, stall and fail out. But um uh, it, it, they're doing all the right steps, and the, the, the commission is totally behind this. They think it's going to bring jobs to the area, and they're all about that right now. So, And the age-old question for Vegas, which will apply both to the dynasty and the next story we're going to talk about, is we have 150,000 hotel rooms. We have countless gaming areas and casinos. Do we need more? Well, that's, that's, a, good, that's a very good question. Um, this property is off the strip, which a lot of these uh, off the strip properties are uh, locals based and like Boyd's property stations. And if you look at the revenue numbers behind those types of properties, it's more like 80% gaming still uh, compared to like 20%. And uh, so, so people are going there to play games. Whereas on uh, the strip, they're going to the clubs and yeah, this Yeah, we're seeing this kind of uh, convergence of everything on the strip. So people are looking for... It's almost like they want to experience uh, a supermarket type, you know, uh, they want to have uh, options and they want to be able to get whatever they want on the strip. Um, I think that any, anything new will be good for Las Vegas. Uh, and that's just because of what we've been going through the last uh, three or four years. So... Uh, I think that, you know, uh, the commission's opinion is that anything new is good. So, Well, and it's a vote of confidence if people are willing to sink millions and billions in some cases of dollars into the city. They obviously right. have faith in it. Right, absolutely. And we need people like Mr. Suin to dump money into Las Vegas because if nobody does, then nobody's going to want to come here. Nobody wants to be the first 
Right. You know, so it's almost like this. Uh, uh, it's influential, and it's it's a it's a good um, boost of confidence, like you said. So. Great. Well, let's move on to perhaps the biggest, uh, the giant in the room, which is Genting. It's another Asian gaming company and resort company. And we've talked about this before. They have their proposal for Resorts World Las Vegas Mm -hmm. to come to the Strip. And things seem to be progressing. In fact, um, they have gone so far that they have pretty big... Uh, big plans for just their construction walls. Tell us about that. Right. They went to the uh, Clark County Commission and asked for uh, permission to actually build an interactive wall around their construction site. Uh, It's a $2 million beautification project. And historically, beautification has been a very big deal uh, in Las Vegas, especially with uh, Commissioner um, June Kiliani. She's been a big proponent of this. And Genting sort of took the reins and proposed, well, okay, we just don't want to wrap our buildings to make it look pretty. Let's actually turn this into a marketing campaign. So they want to build a wall around their their construction site that actually uh, has renderings of the future resort. They want to have two exhibit centers that actually have uh, promotions uh, for this forthcoming resort. And it's kind of interesting because they're trying to draw people here before it's open. And that's um, that's a pretty interesting decision. Absolutely. And for our listeners who aren't familiar, the Resorts World is supposed to be a 3,500-room resort with 175,000-square-foot casino, um, Chinese theme. They said there's going to be a replica of the Great Wall and my personal favorite, Pandas, um, if it comes to fruition. And it's slated for the site of the failed echelon. And this is a big departure from what we've seen. I mean, there's been issues amongst our legislators and representatives essentially yelling at these companies for coming in, starting construction, and either abandoning it or, in the midst of it, making the Strip not an attractive place. Um, And so Genting apparently has been paying attention. Yeah, this goes all the way back to the Fountain Blue project, and that was sort of the tipping point for for the uh, Clark County commissioners, you know. we just can't have this half-finished building sitting there uh, in, in between the Strip and downtown, which is this scenic entryway is what they call it. Uh, it's sort of an eyesore. And then when Echelon came around and asked to uh, stall their project until 2018, that was a huge issue for uh, the commission, and they actually asked them to wrap it with uh, building wraps. But before they could do that, they actually ended up selling their property to Genting, who, you're right, has been watching and has been on the ball and uh, decided we're not going to wait for them to ask us. We're just going to go ahead and do it. And they were approved. And it, it's, it sort of follows their flair for the dramatic. They, uh, you mentioned the pandas and the Great Wall of China. They actually want to have Chinese-themed dancers wearing uh, dragon costumes, sort of. At the construction at site, the not construction in the resort. Site, yeah, not there. And, and this would will certainly be incorporated into the uh, the final project. But you're right; there's going to be dragon dancers uh, outside while you know construction crews are building this thing. So it's very interesting. That's pretty amazing, and I mean, I think both for locals and tourists, you see action and something new coming on the strip. You'd be interested in what that is, anyway. But you pair it with 
flashing lights and advertisements and, you know, bikini women in dragon outfits. And I, I think it's brilliant marketing. People right. can't help but talk about it and wonder what's coming. Right. And this, this might actually help surrounding areas as well. I mean, uh, SLS is in the area that... Uh, the commission has applauded them for, for being able to ta- uh, quietly dismantle their building, which used to be the Sahara. And we have the Riviera over there. So, I mean, without this, without this initiative, there would be no reason to really walk down there. Maybe it won't be that bad now, you know, and maybe that'll force some people to, to sort of uh, enter some of those properties that have been struggling lately. Absolutely, and it just brings a new energy and life down to that North Strip area, Absolutely. which it needs. Um, you mentioned the Riviera. This is a perfect segue. There have been um, pretty significant staff shakeups over there as well. Who is coming and who's rumored? Well, I should say who's leaving and who's rumored to be coming. Well, uh, CEO uh, Andy Choi uh, was fired last week uh, from his post. He and also his firing prompted the resignation of Noah Akers, who was the uh, the casino's president of gaming. And um, he, uh, Andy Choi was sort of put in this role after a reorganization following a bankruptcy, which was third or fourth <laughs> in the Riviera's history. So they've been sort of uh, swimming in red for a while, and. Um, uh, sources close to the to the decision say it was amicable, which uh, when you juxtapose the word amicable to firing, it doesn't usually work. Corporate speak. Corporate speak. But uh, he he's not he, he plans to help transition uh, a new group of people to to run the Riviera, which actually have been rumored to be uh, representatives from Paragon Gaming, which include Diana Bennett. Which is very interesting to me because Diana Bennett is actually the daughter of William Bennett, who took over the Circus Circus way back when, uh, when it was struggling and turned it into this uh, unbelievable moneymaker. So she's returning to the strip. She's done some some work. Uh, she might be, I should say. This is uh, coming from an inside source who says that's who it will be. Uh, but um, she's coming back. She could be coming back after working uh, in other national properties, and that'll be very interesting to see what she can do to bring some life back to the Riviera. So Absolutely, and I know everybody's being very hush-hush about this, but any sense of if new management, Diana, or otherwise comes in, do you think there'll be major changes or they're just going to leave it status quo for a while, get their feet wet, and go from there? I think that there has to be major changes. I mean, there are changes everywhere else uh, because that needs to happen. I mean, the demographics of people playing games are changing. Um, The games are changing. And Riviera has been, the last few years, in this sort of uh, hard spot on the strip between these two projects. They need to have something that they cannot get anywhere else. Uh, And... Whether that, if I had to guess, it's probably going to be the gaming, um, maybe some different type of promotions. Uh, but, but yeah, they have to change. So. Absolutely. Well, for a couple of years now, we've been hearing rumors that the Riv is go- undergoing some major renovation. And right. um, every time we've approached Andy and others, they say, no, no, no. So maybe now those rumors will not be rumors anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, it needs to happen. I mean, 
with iGaming coming through where you could actually potentially have slot machines on your cell phone, what reason is there to go to the Riviera? And, and it, it sounds critical, but this is something that's been talked about for years and years, and uh, it's a real issue that operators are struggling with. And, um, you know, Andy Choi just happened to be on the wrong end of that. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Ed. He yeah, absolutely. Gave us a great rundown of all the happenings on and around the Strip, and we'll have to have you back to keep us posted on all of these. You can't wait. Ed Comenda is our uh, gaming reporter and consumer reporter for Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. You can follow his coverage and all our coverage at vegasinc.com and lasvegassun.com. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With The Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Ellen Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. All right, joining us now is Eli Siegel, our real estate and general business reporter. Welcome, Eli. Hi, Dylan. So uh, going with our theme of new interesting things happening on and around the Strip, Shelby cars. I always yeah. thought they were Mustangs, but apparently they are much more, and they are consolidating near the airport. Tell us about that. Yeah, Shelby American, which was founded in the early 60s by a f- famous race car driver, uh, Carol Shelby, uh, is based in Las Vegas, and a lot of people do, probably don't even realize that. I certainly hadn't known that. I mean, I've, I've only lived here for a year, but uh, but it, 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 was, it fell off my radar. But uh, they're they're right now they're headquartered up uh, over by the motor, the uh, by the Speedway, Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and they're they're kind of spread out in five buildings over there. And what they're doing is they have signed a lease to consolidate their operations into one. 135,000 square foot industrial building just a couple miles south of the strip right near the Las Vegas Boulevard Sunset Road intersection and they're moving all their production down there and what and what they do is they build Shelby Cobras they're vintage looking you know early 60s style uh, sports cars, basically. But the bulk of their business, though, is that they modified, as, as you indicated, Ford Mustangs, Ford Raptors, which are a, it's a truck, and then also Ford Focuses. Those that little, cracked me up. Yeah, yeah. They do these little uh, you know, fastback, four-door, uh, and they'll upgrade them. They call them pocket rockets. So uh, they're, they're pretty cool. And this stuff is not cheap. I mean, they range from anywhere from 10 grand to I think like 150 grand to get, you know, stronger engines, you know, different hood, different paint job, different, you know, better wheels, suspension systems, brakes, exhaust. I mean, they'll really upgrade your car a lot uh, and they'll charge you, you know, a pretty penny for it. And so they're moving down just a couple miles south of the strip and they're going to have factory tours. They're going to have a museum and it's it's another attraction for, for the strip area. And right now they're about 15 miles northeast of the strip. It's it's uh, very inconvenient and very expensive if you're taking a cab to to get there and back. So. Yeah, and, and probably prohibitive. I would imagine the people many people don't know about it, and if you no. do, you probably aren't going to get up there. And that's what they told you is it was it was location, location, location in terms yeah. of trying to make this a tourist attraction. Yeah, absolutely. They want to be close to the Strip. They want to be close to McCarran Airport. They want to be close to I-15, you know, the, to all the locals who are driving every day past it. And they're, they're really going to boost their, their visual presence here. So I'm, I'm sure it'll help their business. Absolutely. And they, they already have the factory tours and all that now, yeah. right? It's just a, a struggle to get people out there. Yeah, absolutely. They, get, they told me, the company president told me they only get about 50 to 75 people a day. Uh, which to me seems like a pretty low number for something that, at least to me, seems pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Considering the la- lines for Madame Tussauds and the yeah. shoot 'em up uh, gun ranges are around the yeah around the corner. Yeah. 
Well, good luck to Shelby. Um, yeah, yeah, it should be it should be pretty good. Absolutely. Can people drive cars there or just get them souped you know, up? I don't think that there's a like a test area to drive, as far as I know. Maybe there is. I, I haven't been up there, but uh, you can basically if you if you own a Mustang or a Raptor or a Focus, you what you do is you you know you buy the car first and then it gets sent to Shelby and then they spruce it up and beef it up. I'm just trying to land a drive in a pocket rocket. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe you can call, maybe you can ask. So. Exactly. Um, well, let's switch to real estate now and another icon of Las Vegas, um, Liberace. Yeah. He's no longer with us, um, but his mansion remains and uh, has had a bit of luck is in foreclosure, but can be our listeners for the right price. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, so Liberace's mansion, which is uh, just south of Tropicana, uh, right near the UNLV campus, uh, the Thomas and Mack Center is really close to there. It was listed for sale, I think on June 20th. Uh, it was listed for just a little under $530,000. And it's a cash only deal. And it's right now it's owned, as you said, it, it was foreclosed upon a couple of years ago, and it's owned by JP Morgan Chase Bank out of New York. And at one point, I think six or seven years ago, uh, a guy bought it for $3.7 million. So obviously it's uh, it, it's kind of a microcosm of the Las Vegas real estate bust, you know, bought at a hyperinflated price, went to foreclosure, and now it's being sold for pennies on the dollar. And it's a pretty, it's a, it's a big house. I think it's about 14, 15,000 square feet, two stories. It's got a lot of, you know, like Liberace, it's got a lot of very flamboyant, uh, garish, uh, accoutrement. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think we, you know, we were looking through the pictures and remember we, you know, we found, um, a bar. It's like kind of a mirrored bar, very, stylish bar with a Liberace signature and an image of a piano and, you know, tons of chandeliers all, you know, all over the place. I think even one of the bathrooms has a chandelier inside and And 10 bathrooms for this little house, relatively little house, two bedrooms, 10 bathrooms. And so it's, it's, it's it's different. (laughs) And just reportedly, um, there's a replica of the Sistine Chapel and that alone is worth over a million dollars, supposedly? Yeah, I came across this story by uh, AOL News that said that the house had... I, now, I've never been inside the house, but we, you know, we found a lot of pictures of it, including you know pictures of the interior and the exterior. And, and uh, w- there's a replica painting, you know, ceiling painting of, what, of Michelangelo's famous painting at the Sistine Chapel. And uh, according to this article that I found, uh, Liberace had claimed that a descendant of Michelangelo painted his version, his own version of the Sistine Chapel in Las Vegas. So um, whether whether that's true or not, it's tough to say, but that is what he claimed, reportedly. Absolutely. <laughs> so. No, $3.7 million to just over a half million dollars is a huge drop. Obviously, the market has changed phenomenally, yeah. but is Liberace losing his luster? I mean, do, do, does nobody care that it was Liberace's house, or do you think that inflates the price? Uh, you know, it's tough to say. I think because it was Liberace's house, it'll it'll get interest from people. But at the same time, you know, a bank foreclosed on it. It's been, I, I as far as I know, it's vacant and, and has been vacant for a number of years now. I don't know what kind of condition it's in. I would suspect it's going to need some some upgrades and, and improvements. You know, it's not in a great neighborhood either. It's kind of dicey over there. So it's again, the name will draw people in, but whether they buy it or not, it's. Uh, I'm I'm sure at some point someone will buy it, especially because it's so cheap and it's got got Liberace's name attached to it. But it's it's. 
not everyone's going to want it. Yeah, well, maybe some of the Liberace fans, there was the former Liberace Museum that closed nearby, and um, maybe they'll resurrect it as a clearinghouse for all his fabulous items. Yeah, it could, it could be. Yeah, absolutely. And he definitely has a history. He had a history here in Vegas, so it'll, uh, it's getting people's attention, that's for sure. Definitely. Well, thanks so much, Eli. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Dylan. You'll have to let us know what next celebrity is selling his or her house. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Just keep reading Las Vegas Sun. I'm sure you'll find it. Exactly. Well, good plug. Um, You can follow Eli's coverage and all our coverage at lasvegassun.com or vegasinc.com. I'm Dylan Goldberg. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio. We're part of Waking Up with the Sun here on KUNV every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Thanks to our producer, Stephen Zeller, and the entire KUNV team. Thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your day.